Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast. Hey, listeners, just wanted to let you know that I don't even know if anybody would be paying attention to it, but this is a little bit of my own OCD with this uh, listed here. Uh, today is technically episode number 139. Um, we, uh, we, had a, a, a deal, a little bit of a miscommunication, and I had taped ahead a little bit for a variety of different reasons, and so uh, we're going to play next week's podcast this week, and this week's podcast will be next week, so 138, 139, no big deal. Again, I don't even know if anybody notices that or not. It's just my, my little own uh, OCD type of a thing that uh, that I'm putting out there, so uh I hope you enjoy this with uh, Brett Watson, really, really good coach at Waukee Northwest High School in the suburbs of Des Moines. So enjoy this week's podcast. And I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 139. And this week, we are really excited to have Brett Watson, the head boys basketball coach at Waukee Northwest High School in just outside of suburbia Des Moines, which I was just at yesterday. Spent some time in Ankeny and weaved my way through Johnston Coach. So I was over in your neck of the woods a little bit there in uh, the West Des Moines area. Glorious as always. Um, but uh, before we start talking to Coach Watson, uh, we of course want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cosac Chiropractic. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review, give us five stars so that we can get the word out. Help as many coaches as we can to hone their uh, hone their craft. Excuse me. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Check out apenandanapkin.com and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin, or there is a link to the Patreon page on a pen and a napkin. Dot com. Coach Watson, how are you this fine Sunday evening, sir? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on. I'm an avid listener, so I feel very honored to be part of your podcast. Well, I appreciate you for listening here, and let's have some fun here over the next, I don't know, however long we end up talking, and and uh, let's let's uh, let's get into it. Let's jump in. So appreciate all the support, Coach. Um, let's uh, let's just kind of go let's just kind of go with it here uh, kind of start off the way we normally do uh, your background uh, tell us about your basketball journey uh, uh, everything that you've been through you, you had a heck of a playing career in, in high school and and uh, just some of the stuff that you've done and, and how you ended up at Waukee Northwest yeah um, I can honestly start and say that my basketball journey started the day I was born um, both or my parents have a picture Um in the hospital, the career that put a basketball in there for me. And to be honest, it's been my uh, passion and uh, my hobby ever since then. Um, I never really put the basketball down. And 
um, just something I really enjoy, you know, trying to grow and learn more about and kind of spread that, that love for the game that I have to the people I'm around. Um, so I kind of also feel fortunate. Um, I grew up in Elkhorn, Kimbleton, um, which is a very rich uh, basketball community, uh-huh. um, both on the girls' side and the boys' side. Um, obviously, Jan Jensen's a big name on the girls' side, but, you know, in the 1990s, 91, when you know, I'm a young kid. I can remember going to all the different girls and boys games and, you know, games are sold out. And um, so th- right away, that kind of just, um, you know, adds fuel to the fire of your passion for the game of basketball. And um, which led me to, you know, my playing career in high school. Um, I was fortunate enough to play under my father, who was the head coach. Um Started and played for four years. Um, it, it was quite the freshman year. You know, being a freshman started with a whole bunch of seniors. Um, but I just can't say enough about the community of Elkhorn Kimbleton, but also just the teammates that I had. Um, just talk about just great, great people. And, you know, I'm fortunate still to, to be in a relationship with a lot of those those guys I played with. You know, it's kind of funny being from a small community is, you know, we started playing when we were in the third grade. And, you know, you'd go to the Omaha tournaments, the Des Moines tournaments, and we'd roll in with six people and, um, they kind of laugh at us during warm-ups, and then you go and, you know, beat them pretty good and, you know, felt pretty good for a small community to to beat up on some of those big boys growing up. And, um, but, yeah, that, that was um, a big part of my, my growing up was the Elkhorn community, Elkhorn Kimbleton community. I can't say enough about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you went to you went to Wayne State after that, right? For college, uh, actually, yeah, actually, my first year I went to Morningside. Um, yeah. At that time, they were Division Two, and um, I'll never forget. It was our first month on campus, and they brought in a new president. And the president says, uh, "My first initiative is I'm going to change all the athletics from Division Two to NAIA." And so we had a, a team of about 17 guys, and all of us right then were kind of panicking, not knowing what to do. And mm-hmm. our coaches kind of told us, hey, you know, play out the season. And so I decided to redshirt um, with a lot of this stuff up in the air. And um, at the end of the season, 15 of the 17 guys on the team, including myself, transferred. Yeah. Um, so I was between uh, Northwest Missouri State and Wayne State. And um, I chose Wayne State and um, had a you know great career there. Played all four years. Again, met a lot of great people. Um, some great coaches also. That are you know still some of my good mentors now. And um, it was fun playing in the NSIC. I mean, I had some opportunities to walk on Division One, but um, I really you know loved my choice of playing Division Two, getting to play every game, and you know mm-hmm. playing just some high level games against um, some really good opponents and some really fun atmospheres and. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed my four years at Wayne State. Um, and then from there, um, I was an education major. And ever since about third grade, I knew I was going to become a coach. Um, but I always thought I was going to be a college coach. Yeah. And so that my, when my senior year is kind of wrapping up, um, Rico Burkett was the head coach. And he, we had a lot of conversations. Um, he wanted me to stay on as a GA or kind of told me about – you know, maybe going to another school as a GA and um, I had a long conversation with my father and he guided me towards the past saying, if you want to be a college coach, we got to learn how to teach first. So in order to become a teacher, you got to get to the high school level. Uh So um, after my senior year, I went to a Delta Soda Minburn, um, just west of Des Moines. Um, Honestly, I thought there I'd be there just a year or two. Um, After my first year, I finished second for a Division II GA job. After my second year at um, a Delta Soda Minburn, um, I actually was offered a Division II GA job. I turned it down. a couple years later, um, I was in line for a, a GA position at Drake, um, and then they got a new coach. New coach brings his, his own staff in, so that kind of fell through. Uh-huh. Um, another year, I was a, a finalist for Division II assistant. Again, all, I was <laughs> all these close, but I'm still staying at the high school level, and, and again, just learn how to teach, learn how to coach. Um, had a great, you know, nine years at ADM. Then from there, uh, I 
went down to Creston, um, down in Southern Iowa, just for a year, just an awesome, awesome place. Head boys basketball coach there. Um, Can't say enough just about the community there. Uh, Group of guys, a bunch of seniors, um, a couple guys returned from the previous year, but we just had a group of seniors that, you know, bought into what we want to do from day one. Um, We had a lot of success there, but I was only there for a year because that college niche, that college kind of scratch finally got to me. Um, one of the assistants at Wayne State, Matt Merkin, um, was the head coach at Minot State University in North Dakota, a Division II school. And he called me and said, hey, I know you've always wanted to be a college coach. We just had a second assistant position um, come come about here. Would you be interested? And at that time, my wife and I, uh, we had our oldest son, who was, I think, three at the time. And I said, if we're ever going to do it, we got to do it now. And um, so we made the trek about 12 hours northwest <laughs> of Des Moines um, to yeah. Minot, North Dakota, which is an hour from Canada. Um, enjoyed a year up there. You know, again, just uh, being able to college coach, kind of saying I've done that and kind of seeing that side of it. And then brought me back to, to central Iowa where um, – I was at Norwalk as a year for an assistant and then um, Indianola for four years and then Waukee Northwest. Um, now last year is my first year and going on my second year here. So awesome. a lot of different places, but, um, you know, I think everything happens for a reason and I have no regrets on any of my different stops. Yep. You know, a lot, a lot of life is about relationships and I can say at every one of those spots, I have some really quality relationships with people that I can call lifelong friends. Wow. That's uh yeah, you've, uh, you've, you've kind of made that, that, uh, circular route, uh, and, and then with a little, with a little jog up north there, eh, you know, uh, yeah, but, uh, uh, talk about your, uh, obviously your dad was your high school coach, big influence on you as, as are most fathers, you know, I mean, my dad's a huge influence on my life. Uh, just, you know, uh, how much has, has he affected your, uh, career, your philosophy, all the things that, that you do as a coach, how much is, how much is your dad Warren played into that? A lot, an absolute, a lot of what I do and also a lot of what I don't do, jokingly. Um, But yeah, you know, not everyone gets to see the other side, the coaching side of it. Um, You know, I can just remember, you know, when I'm a fourth or fifth grader, you know, being a a manager sitting behind the bench, you know, everyone sees what happens during the game, but no one sees what happens after the game, the the hours of breaking down film. Um, You know, my my dad's... uh, got an obsessive compulsive nature like I do. So he's, you know, he'd buy all those different Don Meyer videos that were on VHS and, you uh-huh. know, just trying to become a better coach, just trying to learn the game. And um, like I said, it's a very unique situation is, you know, my freshman year, um, I started over, there was a bunch of seniors, about six or seven seniors. And, um, you know, it was all conference average, you know, 12 points a game. And you think that's all fine and Danny, but I saw the other side of it where, you know, the senior parents were, were calling my dad late at night. There was a petition to get my dad fired. Um, the seniors boycotted um, our end of season banquet. And the hardest part was it was, it was all because of me, yeah. you know, that I, I was a freshman playing over them. And, you know, how could this freshman take playing time over all these guys? And um, I, I was able to see my dad um, just stick to his principles and, and know that, he, I mean, he was doing the right thing. Um, you know, I think as you look back to is, you know, he was, he, he knew what was best for the team. He knew it was difficult for himself and also myself of, you know, I was a coach's kid. So you have that, um, that label on you, but, but he stuck to his guns and he did what uh, was supposed to be right. And so it just says a lot about the, the character and integrity that, that he coached with that, that I take with me every day. Mm-hmm. What did you 
or how did that experience going through that being a, a you know, just the, the hell that you kind of went through that freshman year, uh, how did that or how has that affected your coaching career and managing rosters and thinking about uh, the kids and, and the whole dynamic of, you know, moving up young kids and, and, and when you need to do it and, and the decisions that it goes through? How, how has that affected your career? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think a lot about it, and it also comes back to you, you got to have the why. You got to know why you're doing everything that you're doing. Um, we can talk a little bit more of this later, but I get a lot into the analytical side of it too, so so people can actually see you know where they're at or where they rank, and we publish those different numbers. Um, but yeah, it, it's something I always go back on, and you know, I, I still remember you know those seniors would challenge me after practice. Let's play one on one. Let's play one on one, and you know they said let's play to a hundred. Then you beat them to a hundred. Okay, let's play to two hundred. You beat them to two hundred, and um, just kind of knowing that you know when you bring up someone, it, it's not easy. You know, there, yeah. there's another um, stigma on them. There's another microscope on them, and just trying to lead them along, like you know, you're up here for a reason because I believe in you, and. Um, that's something that's always guided my life too, as I know my parents always believe in me and, and they always got my back. I, I think that's something that I've learned in my career. Uh, I think when you're a younger coach, you're you're always kind of a little anxious to try and get that younger player up there and you, you, you think those reps are good. And, and again, I'm not saying that there aren't situations where that's warranted, but I think I've I've really tried to be much more selective and okay, if we're going to do this, we really got to make sure it's the right decision. Cause you know, I made some wrong decisions, especially as a younger coach in, in that capacity, probably move kids up a little bit too fast. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that that's just, you know, we need to think about the entirety of that situation and also what it's what what situation we're putting that player in as well when we make those big decisions of moving a kid up from a freshman level to the JV or even a, a, a sophomore to the varsity or in your case like a freshman to the varsity is, is that part of it as well coach absolutely I mean you can't just think about that year's team but you got to think about that player that next year as a sophomore as a junior as a senior like you don't want to kill their confidence right away but you also want to give them what they earn and that's why I try to tell players like nothing's given like you're going to have to earn this position and um, especially as a freshman like I said before is those those seniors challenged me every day and I knew that I had to earn that I had to earn their respect I had to um, you know step up to any challenge that they threw at me and um so that's what i try to tell some of your kids is like you know if you want to you know as a freshman try to make the varsity is like you're gonna have to earn the respect of those seniors like you're gonna have to go out there and, and prove to them that you belong not just to the coaches but also the players too because as you know it's a player's game and you know if the other players don't respect or um, have the trust as you as a player you're, you're not gonna be a very successful team so you've got to think about you know earning the respect of this the players not just the coaches you had a really successful high school career, uh, you know, a, a very successful college career as well. You spent a year as a college coach. What are some of the things that you took from those levels, that kind of those upper levels, both as a player and as a coach, that you brought back with you, uh, especially like at Indianola and, and Waukee Northwest? It, it takes a lot, a lot of time. Um, that's why well, I can remember my first message to the Indianola team is I got in front of them. I said, Hey, I'll give you the secret to success. And, you know, everyone, Oh, you know, peeks up like, Hey, what, what is it? And I said, it's hard, dirty work. Like that's what it takes. Like, it's not going to be easy. It, you just can't show up come November. Like you're going to have to put in a lot, a lot of time. And, you know, 
the, the best players I've been around are the ones that are able to just separate themselves because they put in that hard, dirty work. They're not just putting in work. It's hard. They're getting out of their comfort zone. They're pushing themselves. And when you get to the college level, I mean, it's a job. Like, it's what you're you're concentrated on. Like, in high school, I was a four-sport athlete, but I always did, you know, basketball workouts before school because, you know, basketball is my first passion. But, man, when you get to the college level, both as a, as a player and as coaches, you got to put in that work every single day. And it's not just on the basketball floor. It's in the weight room. It's your nutrition. It's sleeping. I mean, all those things are things that can separate yourselves from others. Um, so it's that hard, dirty work is what I really try to install into our athletes. Mm-hmm. Um I, I thought it was, and I forget where I saw this at, uh, and, and and I jumped on this because I was like, you know, that'd be that'd be in my top two or three too. Uh, but I saw somewhere as I was getting ready for for this today that if you could pick one coach to have dinner with, it would be Bill Belichick, who has nothing to do with basketball as a, as a basketball coach. Obviously, he's a he's the legendary New England Patriots football coach so here you are basketball guy done all these things in the game of basketball and I know you've coached a little bit of football as well too coach uh but you know why uh why Belichick above everybody else coach Watson I just because I I like to study coaches not in basketball I mean I I will study some coaches in basketball but um, of all my studies um just Bill Belichick is the one that I always just go back to is he's just so process oriented and I know it's kind of a cliche of all about Mm -hmm. the process but um if we get more into the mental side of it like I feel like so much is about the process and just digging into you know it doesn't matter you know, if they just won a game or if they lost a game, like he's just going back to his same process. He believes in his process. And like I said, that, that's that hard, dirty work. Um, I feel very fortunate. Oh, man, it's been about four years ago. Um, my school sent me out to, to Boston for a class so I could be certified to teach a computer science class. Okay. And I was there for two weeks. And over the weekend, um, you know, you kind of have free time. Well, the Saturday I went to a Boston Red Sox versus New York Yankees game. Oh, I thought, that's okay, a- that, that's going to that's be the highlight of my trip. Well, actually, the, de- the next day I took an Uber down to, to Foxborough and watched New England Patriots practice. Wow. And so it was awesome just to I, – I, I watched two guys the whole time. I watched Belichick, but that's also when Tom Brady was there, and just seeing those guys actually in their craft, seeing what they do, um, just you know, on a random um, preseason practice, just seeing those guys there. And mm-hmm. ironically, the day I was there, Brad Stevens was there, Nick Nurse was there, and so again, <laughs> like, there's something about basketball coaches studying other coaches that are successful. And um, so, yeah, I've always just always gravitated toward Bill Belichick and the different things he's able to do. I, my wife and I went out to Boston for our 10th anniversary. We took a game in at Fenway Park, uh, you know, out on Yaki Way. And, um, yeah, that, I, you know, I'm a diehard Chicago Cubs fan. Pray for me. Uh, same here. Same here. I, <laughs> okay. I, so am I. So yeah, am I. Misery loves company. All right. Uh, but, uh, you know, Fenway was awfully impressive. It was, it was awfully impressive. Uh, I thought, it, you know, I've been to Wrigley, I don't know how many times I've, 25 30 games i've seen at wrigley and fenway was pretty tough to beat i thought so uh what do you think of it 
I agree, and and you always hear about the heated rivalry. I don't remember the exact situation, but I think the Red Sox weren't very good, and the Yankees, well, or the Yankees, but um, but the Red Sox won that game, and I just remember just walking around the stadium that I was leaving too, just hearing them, the, the both fan bases going back and forth, and you know, and the, the, the trash talking going on, like you could just feel that rivalry, even though it was just a you know a meaningless game in August where I think the Red Sox were out of it, but um, it, it was really fun to just to soak that all in. And um, I'm not a, a big Sweet Caroline fan, but I did enjoy, li- enjoy listening to that to the, in the Red Sox um, yeah. bottom of seven. That was pretty cool to, to participate in that. Yeah. What did you learn from watching uh, Brady and Belichick that day? Yeah, I'll start with, with Belichick. I and mean, he was, it was, again, it was just a random Sunday practice, but it, it was all about situations. He would just randomly throw them out of different situations. All right, it's first and goal from the right hash. Or then he'd move the ball to about the, the 40 yard line. And you could tell it's third and seven, just preparing his guys for game like situations just over and over and over again. Um, so it was, it was really cool to see, you know, again, that could be a, applicable to basketball that, you know, the millions of different situations that, that were, that we're faced with. And then Tom Brady, um, it was really cool. You know, you could see, you know, how detailed he was throughout the practice and practice is over. Like, oh, all right, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, walk around a little bit. And I, I noticed Tom started walking towards, they had a big shed over there. Like, oh, okay, maybe he's just trying to avoid the fans. But uh, he took two managers with him. And for about the next 15 to 20 minutes, he was working on his dropbacks with those managers. Those managers were throwing pads at him. And, you know, at this time, you know, I don't know, you know, what five or six super Super Bowls he had won, and he's still taking time out of his practice in a preseason time to get himself better in a, a simple little drill with some managers. So, uh-huh. you know, to see the greatest football player of all time put in that extra work afterwards, you can see why he separates himself from the other um, players that, that have played in the NFL. Uh-huh. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. So you you leave, uh, you're, you're at Indianola for four years, and then Correct. you decide to make the move to... Waukee Northwest and correct me if I'm wrong Brett but it is first year of the school correct yeah so it was a it's a very unique situation and to be honest I was not uh, trying to leave Indianola at all like I absolutely loved uh, uh, the the people that I worked with there Um, can't say enough about the administration there we had a really really good team coming back and I I was not looking to leave at all and uh, one of my good mentors said hey the, the Waukee Northwest job is open and I think you'd be a really good fit for that and I was like well all right, well, I, I got to see if there's actually a teaching position because, as you know, like at the high school level, like you just can't coach. You also have to have a teaching position there yeah. also. And so I got home and went to the Waukee website, and there was there was a math position. I was like, oh, my goodness, maybe this is destiny. And so I said, all right, I'm going to at least throw my name in there. And um, 
Then, you know, as you go there and you interview, you start talking to more people. I was able to, you know, meet the administration there. And I'm like, I think this is a really good fit. And um, I, I was, felt very fortunate that the day after the interview, to, you know, to be offered the job. And um, I really feel like I'm in a, in a great fit, a great, you know, great spot. And um, it, was a, it was the first year as a school, first year as a program. It was my first year with those guys. So it was last year was very, very unique. And, you know, it's just some of those little things you don't think about also is, you know, we had no uniforms, you know, so for the summer when you go to different team camps, like we literally have no like practice jerseys or anything to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have any equipment. Uh, we didn't get into our high school gym until July. So we were working out at an elementary gym for most of the time. And uh-huh. um, so it was, it, it was fun. Uh, but again, it was a very unique situation. And um, like I said, though, I, I can't say enough about the, the fit. And I, I just feel really blessed to be a part of Northwest community. So, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, coach, but they won it the year before they won 4 a, uh, in, in 2021, correct? As Waukee. Yep, they yeah, were as, there as Waukee yeah. Yeah. Waukee mm-hmm. unified there. And, and then, and then they split. So you're, you're not only a first year coach at a first year school there, the, the paint is, is still fresh on the walls and all this other stuff, but you're stepping into a, a state championship type of situation. Uh, you know, what, uh, you know, what was, what was that like? Kind of, you know, stepping right into, okay, not only are we a new school, but you know, we should be winning here as well, you know? Absolutely. I and mean, that's, uh, again, why I absolutely love it at Northwest is there, there's very, very high expectations and, um, that's not something that I want to run from. And, uh, what also is unique about it is, you know, out of that state championship team, uh, Northwest inherited one starter and then one bench player. Uh-huh. So to start the year, we only had two players that had ever participated in a varsity game or even a varsity warmup. Uh-huh. So with it being a big school at Waukee, you know, some of those going to be seniors or going to be juniors um, played intramurals or, you know, we're on the sophomore team or, you know, we started a sophomore last year. So we played freshman ball last year. So playing in the the biggest, best conference, um, in my opinion, in Iowa with only two guys that have any experience was also a very unique situation of not only you got these guys, you know, try to get them to play as a team, but you also got to get them used to some very high, high quality basketball night in, night out. And um, so, yeah, so it, it was, it was very unique for all of us. Did you, did you come in with uh, a bit of a, you know, I don't. I don't know if it was if clean slate would be the the correct term, but you you come in and you're, um, you know, you kind of get to do what you want. Or was there some some stuff where the players felt like, well, we should hold over from this because this is what we did last year at Waukee. Obviously, you didn't have a lot of varsity experience coming back with you, but I, I'm sure you had some of those players that played in the Waukee program. Uh, you know, you know, what was that transition like? Yeah, so one of the the first times I was able to get in front of the guys, um, I did what what we call a needs assessment. Yep. uh, Where at each of them, you know, just fell out. And one of the questions are there is, you know, what do you want to remain the same in this program? And so I I wanted to know right away, just get some feedback from those players of, you know, what have they done before that, you know, I could see if I, you know, something I have already done or something I need to learn about or something that we could, you know, keep with that the guys really enjoyed with it. And, mm-hmm. um, to be honest, the main, the main answer, a lot of those is, was winning, just the winning culture. <laughs> and so again, you could tell right away is like I said, those high expectations, like those guys wanted to, to keep on winning like they did at Waukee and, uh, which I don't blame them. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, we just did a needs assessment right away. And, and so I got the feedback from the, the players of, you know, this is what they've done before and they would, what they would like to, to keep doing. Uh-huh. Um, you are, uh, you're really fortunate. I, I assume the one kid that played last year, 
that you got to hold over was uh, was Price. Um, is yeah, that, that's correct. That's correct. So if you were going to have one, that's a good one to have. Uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, unique player, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, stretches it out, can really shoot it. Uh, probably the highest highest ranked recruit quote unquote uh in the state of iowa this year if not he's way up there uh just kind of what is uh what what has that experience been like for you coaching a, a kid who's getting just a ton of power five offers and and he's getting a lot of looks and and what is he uh what have you guys talked about what have you shared with him uh from your playing career being a, a a terrific high school player and breaking a lot of records and different things like that. How have you kind of tried to to guide him through this process? Yeah, um I mean first of all just uh, how it is the coach price. Like I could go you know on for hours and just all the different things that he could do on the basketball floor. I mean he's just so versatile both in the offense and defensive end. But you know when these you know power five coaches call and talk to me, I said, you know, we could talk all you want basketball, but what you need to know is the type of kid that he is, uh, the high character kid um that he is. And I, I just can't tell that enough to players is you know, your character reveals you know, what kind of basketball player you're going to be. And, and I've seen that from some, some of the top players that I've you know coached, but also coached against is the ones with the high character, also the ones that are the ones that are, that make it, or, you know, that, that are the, the ones that have become really successful. And um, two examples, I give a price of, you know, last summer uh, we were in a summer league. And like I said, we don't have any backup practice jerseys, things like that. So we threw together some, and again, being a, f- you know, first year coach, first year program, we roll into this um, summer league game and, we had 17 guys show up, you know, some guys that haven't been at workouts and well, I, I don't have 17 uniforms. So, you know, I, you know, have the discussion with the kids. Like, hey, I love you being here. And so they sit at the end of the bench and um, about three minutes left in the game, price comes up to me and he goes, Hey coach, do you care if I give my Jersey to the guy at the end of the bench so he can play in this game? And I was, I was just absolutely floored. Like, you know, mm-hmm. a kid like that, there's so much talent, but to think about other people more than himself just says so much about, you know, who he is as a, person and you know how he was raised like yeah his character is unbelievable and the other example is you know this summer um i've got three kids my oldest boy's a nine-year-old and and he's like my shadow he shows up to every one of our open gyms and he sits in the bench like you know he feels like you know he's part of the team and uh after one of our workouts you know he's talking to price and saying you know hey um, we just have a new youth baseball complex by our high school. And he's like, I've got a game tonight at six o'clock. And I was like, buddy, shut up. You know, they're, they're, they've got other things to do. You know, they're going to be seniors in high school. Like that, let them be kids. And yep. um, well, six o'clock rolls around and, and there's price um, with one of a, uh, one of his teammates, Kate Kelderman. And, you you would have thought my son was playing for the Chicago Cubs or the New York Yankees, you know, having those two guys there. And uh-huh. again, it was a six o'clock on a random Wednesday night and they went and watched um, nine U baseball. And um, just to support my son for how much time, you know, he's around those guys. And uh-huh. so again, just the, the character that, that he shows each and every day is, um, is just something I'm so proud to, to be, to be able to know him and be associated with him. As for, you know, my part of it too is, you know, I, I always tell them is you've got to separate yourself. Like you, you've got to be different. Um, you got to, 
you know, you've got to be different than, you know, he's a top 150 recruit. Well, how are you going to separate yourselves from everybody else? And um, and that's not just the shooting side of it, the scoring side of it, the defensive side of it. Um, we've talked a lot about just the mental side of it. Like, how do you prepare yourself before games, after games, during games? How do you respond when things don't go your way? And um, so, again, just trying to look for some of those ways to uh, to kind of separate themselves from others. And I would say the mental side of it is the biggest side that, that we've really talked a lot about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you uh, you go into this season, uh, like I said, everything's brand new. You, you have a heck of a year, uh, end up at the well. Uh, your first, I believe, your first run to the state tournament, correct? As a head coach. As yep. a head coach, yeah, as a head coach. Um, so what did you learn from that? You know, what did you learn uh, that was – you know, you, you felt like you were really prepared for. Uh, what are some things? Oh, you know what? I hope we get to do this over again next year. Here's one or two things I might do differently. Uh, just tell us about kind of that tournament trail experience and everything that you went through there and, and the and the lessons learned or the lessons affirmed through that process. Yeah, uh, there's one thing. Uh, uh, I'm a Watson, and my dad can say this also, is we're not very patient. Um, so one thing <laughs> I learned throughout this this season is it is such a long season, and it was before, but you know when you play all the way through March, um, it, it is, it's a long season. And so one thing I really learned from it is, you know, I, years past, I was, you know, as an Iowa high school basketball coach, you get two weeks before your first game and you throw in Thanksgiving break in there. And yeah. so you're always so worried about, I got to get everything in. I got to get my zone offense in. I got to get zone defense, press, press break, and all these different sets in or whatever. And as you go throughout the whole year, I, you know, I'm more just thinking about, you know, we don't have to get everything in right away. Like it's okay if we don't have every single set in before the first game or the first week or before January, it, you know, just the, the pacing it out even more of, you know, adding some more things for the postseason or, you know, just knowing uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot, a lot of time and a lot of time that, you know, you can just keep bettering yourself. And um, again, just comes back to the whole process of it. Like if you just keep focusing on the process, you got a lot of time to, to, to zero in on that and um, kind of guide yourself a little bit more of not trying to fit everything in right away and mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, you're panicking because you don't have this in or you haven't had that in. Like, you know, it's okay to take a few lumps early as, as you know, as long as your peak can come um, postseason time. I think that's what's best. It, one of the things I started doing is I would lay out uh, the entire calendar, like every single day, and I would put it in front of me. And I would work the season backwards from the first round of districts, okay? And kind of yep. think, okay, what do we want to have in defensively? What do we want to have in offensively, special teams, so forth and so on, by February 20th, let's say. Excuse me. And and then what I've started doing the last few years is, okay, if I want all of this in by February 20th, work my way backwards from that point and and what how how do i need to pace that out and inevitably brett what ends up happening is i i put this out on the calendar and then because of injuries or we don't pick up on things as quickly as i think probably at least a good third of that ends up going out the window as well so uh but that's kind of an exercise that i've done where it's just kind of taking a look at your season backwards and say okay here's what i want to be at well i you know let's hold off on putting this play in until february 1st and so that it's running pretty well by february 10th and it's a quick hitter we can really run by district time that teams maybe haven't seen as much and that's some of the that's that's one big thing i've done to kind of help with that pacing of the season for for what it's worth to you there buddy Oh yeah, I, I love it. I love it. That's a that's a good good example. 
A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. Okay, Coach, at this time, we are going to go through, or we are going to have our John Wooden quote of the day uh, from the classic book, uh, Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, on and off the court. Uh, Coach Watson, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? Yes, sir, I am. All right, here we go, from page 116. It is, and feel free to comment on this as soon as I'm done saying it. So, John Wooden quote of the day is, Pride is a better motivator than fear. I never wanted to teach through fear, punishment, or intimidation. Fear may work in the short term to get people to do something, but over the long run, I believed that personal pride is a much greater motivator. I, I love it. And it, it makes me think of something right away. Um, it's ironic you use the word pride because um, one thing we did uh, or one thing that I've done um, on the defensive side is we use the acronym pride. We call it personal responsibility and defensive execution. And so, for instance, let's say uh, a player gets blown by um, by a ball handler for a layup or whatever is we call that a pride and um, we clip it up, show it the next day and um they have to run the next day in practice for that pride. And um, I feel like that's something that's really helped us defensively is just the emphasis of that. Whereas you talked about the John Wooden um, quote about fear, mm-hmm. not me yelling at him, not me screaming at him. Like just, you know, after the game, you know, as or the next practice afterwards, you know, it's so funny. The kids say, well, okay, how many prides did I have? Or, <laughs> oh, here's one of my prides. And again, I don't have to say anything, but it, you know, it's just that accountability with the pride over the fear part of it is, um, has done wonders for us on the defensive side. And, um, so I love uh, I love the John Wooden quote, and um, I know that book too. I remember you know it's a blue cover, and you know my dad has it, I have it, and um, anything John Wooden's gold. So yeah, um, that's awesome. I've got it right in hand in my office right here. I, I literally have it right next to me, and and uh, try to take a peek at it once or twice a week. You know, obviously with the with the podcast, you know, but uh, if you haven't purchased it yet, you need to go out and purchase it because it is it is just kind of the perfect little coach's manual, and it's it's not a very big book. It's not a very long book. It's less than 200 pages, and it's it's just it's just it's just gold. It's just absolutely gold. Not to sound like Banya too much from uh, Seinfeld there. Gold, Jerry, yeah. gold. So, uh, sorry, 90s Seinfeld reference there, Coach. So, uh, huge, huge Seinfeld fan. I, I, I caught that one. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. So, uh, my wife and I were watching a little Seinfeld before we started here. Uh, it was the, uh, the episode in which uh, we find out uh, Kramer's first name is Cosmo. Cosmo Kramer, you bet. Yes, yes. Babs, Babs. So uh, good stuff there. Well, before we get sidetracked too much here, uh, Brett, let's uh, let's dive into your stuff. Like I told you before we started taping here tonight, I I really, really liked uh, the the topics that you sent me um, and kind of how you put them out there. I'm I'm really excited to discuss them with you. Um, Let's start with your with your core values 
and and kind of setting up those those pillars. Some people call them pillars. You guys call them core value. We call them pillars at our place. We we have four. Um, you know, uh, just you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steal the thunder from you here. I'll I'll let you uh, talk about your team's core values, uh, how you came about them, uh, how you define them, how do you communicate it with your kids, how do you use it within your program. Just tell us a little bit about uh, Waukee Northwest's uh, core values in their boys basketball program. Yeah, I'd love to. It all starts with uh, Don Meyer. Um, I know you. sometimes you have the Don Meyer quote of the day, but, yep. um, you know, one of his quotes was, you know, you, your program's got to be something more than just winning. And so that, that's kind of what we feel like where our core values kind of set in there. Um, for us, it kind of establishes our why, like what, what our program um, is all about. Um, I don't know if you've seen, there's a, a TED Talk by Simon Sinek on YouTube, right? He has a book, you know, start with the why. And um, so that's what we really start with our season with um, in the, um, when our first meeting is these are our core values. And, um, and I know everyone's got them, but, you know, I believe in the power of three. So I, I've kind of condensed into three core values, mm-hmm. uh, which are compete, discipline, and selfless. And what we try to do more than that is um, we have definitions for them. Um, we have a principle that we associate with them. We have a, a verbal cue. And then we also um, kind of established these are the behaviors that we're looking for in these different core values. Um, so I'll start with the first one. Um, compete. Hey, before, before you get going, did you come up with these or did the players come up with these or was it kind of a uh, cooperative deal? Uh, it's something that I came up with, um, the core values. Um, but to be honest, uh, during Christmas break, uh, we have our upperclassmen uh, do a presentation on each core value okay. to our sophomores because our sophomore team is separate from our varsity team. So during that presentation during Christmas break, they, they take each of those core values and they put them into their own words. And it's amazing to see what, what, what the kids will come up with. You know, sometimes they'll find some game footage um, where our core values fall into or mm-hmm. they'll find an example from youtube or something like that and um so they, they kind of make it a little more personal for them um come christmas time but uh, these okay. are the ones i established um, okay. from the beginning okay yep sorry I, I tried to politely interrupt you there but before you got too far into it i just wanted to ask that question real quick so go ahead tell us about compete yeah so so compete our definition of compete is is doing your best in everything that you do and um our principle for that is is the process. Like we're, we're, we want to be about the process, um, and with that, you know, the behaviors we're looking for. You know, do it. when we say compete, you know, everyone thinks you know just about the basketball floor, but we're we're talking about our mood, our attitude each and every day. We're talking about the nutrition. You know, what we put into our body. You know, how much water we're drinking. We're talking about our behaviors in the weight room. Um, how we approach that every day when we're in the weight room film study, you know, skill development, your practice habits, um, you know, are are we doing our best in everything that we're doing? And our our cue we use for compete is um, E plus R equals O. Um, That's from Brian and Tim Kite. Uh Event plus response equals outcome. And and we talk about the only thing that we can control is our response. So there's a lot of different events, you know, we talked about, you know, nutrition, you know, you wake up in the morning, that's an event. Well, what's your response? We want to be able to control uh, our response to that and make sure that we get a you know good breakfast in and kind of prepare ourselves for the day. And um, that all just fits into that principle, just the process, the, the daily part of we're always going to compete in everything that we do. And 
again, it's more than just winning. It's more than just uh, the basketball side of it. You know, we're trying to build, you know, lifelong habits with our kids. And we feel like if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to be able to compete in every aspect of your life. And um, so that, that's uh, our first core value of compete. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how about discipline? So our definition for discipline is it's the ability to focus um, on the next important thing or that next play. Um, I'm from Shelby County, and everyone from Shelby County knows about Harlan football, and Harlan football, Kurt Blatt's all about the next play, the next play, and um, that's where we feel like discipline comes in. Um, our, our principle for that is is that present moment focus, is always present or always being in the present moment. Not thinking about the past, not thinking about the the future, but just being in that present moment. Um, Brian Kite mentions, you know, discipline is the shortcut. You know, talking about guys, whatever you want to accomplish, your goals. Well, the shortcut to get to those goals or to where you want to get to is is discipline, is is staying in the present. Um, our behavior for for getting into that present moment or staying in that present moment is breathing. It's a simple thing as just breathing. And we talk a lot and give them different exercises of, of how to focus on their breathing, how to get actual deep breathing in. Um, we incorporate it, you know, in some of our routines that we do pregame, free throws, postgame, um, things like that. Um, and then our cue, um, our verbal cue we use for discipline um, is the acronym WIN, W-I-N, uh, what's important now. Yep. So again, that's just something we can shout out like, hey, win, 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 win. It's like, okay, we got to get back to that present moment. Like what's important right now for us? Mm-hmm. Again, it could be in the middle of practice, middle of a game, it could be, you know, before a game, after a game, whatever, but just really focus on staying in that present moment. That's what we mean by discipline. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the third one, selfless. Yeah, selfless. And again, these are not in order. Uh, I'd, I honestly put this one first because I think this is uh, most important one. But our definition of selfless is is to lead by giving. Lead by giving, and our principle for that is, is love. Like I've never been shy to, to tell players that I love them, um, and I've I've had players, you know text me even to the day, you know, two or three years after they graduate, you'll love you coach. And, um, we don't shy away from the word love. Um, we feel like it's the most powerful emotion. And, um, we talk a lot about that, you know, as a group or as a, you know, a player, um, coach relationship and our behaviors for that, you know, how we can look, you know, how can we display love? How can we be selfless? You know, how can we lead by, you know, helping others and protecting the team? Our behaviors are our body language, you know, the, the way that our posture is, the, you know, the energy that we're given, um, kind of the accountability part. You know, are, are we calling people up? Are we trying to build people up? Some of that, you know, that positive energy. And the other part is, are we also just going to the edge? Like, are we really pushing ourselves and pushing other people to get out of their comfort zone? And I think that's part of love also is, is, is that discomfort, the sometimes that, that, that hard part, that hard conversation of, you know, someone's not giving it their all or someone's not um, helping the team by doing their best. And, um, well, yeah, you know, I think true love is telling people the truth if it's something that they don't want to hear, but you know, they need to hear it. I, I think that's what true love truly is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, we have those core values, but but more than anything is we really just harp on those behaviors. Um, We feel like the behaviors are what's going to drive our results. And so we talk a lot about those behaviors, you know, just as much as our X's and O's on offense or defense. um, We feel like this is a, a huge part of our program and I can't say enough about the, the senior group that we had last year. Um, they, you know, one guy really got a lot of playing time, but it was the, 
most selfless group I've ever been a part of. Like it was just unbelievable how selfless that group of seniors were. And it was a huge part of our success. You know, even though they didn't, you know, score a lot of points, rebound assists or whatever, their selflessness they brought every single day was a huge part of our success. And to be honest, it's going to be very hard for us, um, to, to try to replace next year, but um, but I just was really proud of how that group bought into you know not just that core value but all of them. How are you and your coaching staff emphasizing uh, and teaching these things with your players? And again, I know you're you're usually like you said, win or next play or uh, you know so forth and so on. But uh, when when you're explaining with it, when you're going with the freshers, is it like a pre-practice meeting? Are you writing stuff down in notebooks? Is it handouts? Uh, is it presentation? You know, you mentioned a little bit about the presentations and what the the senior players did. How how what are what are ways other than just saying it per se? How do you in, in your program continue to emphasize this and present it and make it a a constant thing and keep it fresh with your kids? I think the most impactful thing that we that we try to do, um, not to say we always accomplish that, but it's, it's just a self awareness piece of it to to get players aware of when they are doing those things. You know, try to catch them doing it right, try to catch them doing the positive um, side of it. Um, you know, for instance, you know, body language. You know, you know, we watch film every day, and you know, clip out some of those things. Um, you know, we'll clip out a guy takes a charge and you see four guys running over there and, um, you know, helping him up off the floor. Like that's the stuff that we want to go over and film and talk about just as much if it's a missed defensive rotation or, or something like that, mm-hmm. but just really getting those players aware of that. And then just really trying to, um, applaud those guys and, re- and really pump them up when they do things like that. Um, some of the other ones too, um, like nutrition, uh, we can get into this later too. It's just, we have a daily wellness check. We have our kids do, and, um, you know, we don't mandate you have to drink this amount, much of water, you know, this much fruit or this or that or whatever, but we want them just to become aware of it and aware of what, uh, you know, how it affects their body, you know, not just with the information of it, but also when they start charting how much water they drink or, you know, how much sleep that they get, um, just that them being self-aware is not only going to help them the most right now, but also in the future, you know, after they graduate high school and if they go on to play college athletics or, you know, when they get to be older is being aware of how impactful competing is, discipline is, and selfless is, is we'd really try to, to hammer away the self-awareness piece of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you talked a little bit, and this is something that, that I – uh, did a, a pretty deep dive on during my couple of years of sabbatical. Uh, but you had some stuff in here on like uh, focus uh, exercises, uh, positive self-talk. Uh, that's something I got from uh, uh, Pete Carroll. And, and he, uh, it was some tennis book, and I forget the name of the, the, the tennis book. But, uh, the, the Inner Game of Tennis. Yes, The Inner Game of Tennis, yes. And I tell you what, I tried like crazy to get through that thing. I, I got about two-thirds of the way through it. I'm like, okay, I can't do it. I, I think I got the gist of it. I very rarely don't finish a book, but I couldn't get through that one. So, Pete Carroll, if you're ever listening to this, I apologize. I sincerely do. Uh, but, you know, mental imagery. Uh, just talk about the, the inner game and the, the – uh, it, it sounds like you guys there, uh, Coach, you guys do a lot with – uh, the mental game and and just taking care of of, of a lot of things that uh, are not taking care of it, but focusing on just uh, so many intangible things that are going to help your team with tangible results. Uh, let's uh, let's dive into the uh, let's talk about self talk. 
Uh, well, first of all, before we get into the inner game, I got to get a shout out to, to John Fitzpatrick. Um, he's head baseball coach at Indianola. And okay. about five years ago, I you know, was fortunate enough to you know get, get to know him. And um, he runs a, a place called Fitzpatrick Mental Performance. And to be honest, it's funny you mentioned the inner game of tennis. Like that was kind of the first book that really opened my eyes to the inner game or how important the mental side of it was. Um, Mm-hmm. And so then I, I've always, again, I had a deep dive in that and um, got to know John quite a bit. And John's worked with our teams um, last fall before the season. He actually, on Sundays, we got together and, and he basically did presentations with our guys about the mental game. And um, so a lot of the stuff that I've learned has, has come from him. And mm-hmm. I just can't say enough about um you know how beneficial he's been to, to my coaching career. And um, but just kind of get started, uh, like the self-talk part of it. Um, we're really big into the conditioning part of confidence, like being able to what, what you tell yourself is so, so important. And more than that though, is, you know, the self-talk, the focus, the body language, the biggest key, again, I'm going to go back to this is is awareness. And and what we try to explain to our players is you're going to be in different situations. You go back to our E plus R equals O what is your response going to be? Well, your event, you might be in a, in a green light situation. In a green light situation, you know, like your self-talk is like, hey, I got this. Like, hey, everything's going well. Like, I, I, I'm a huge part of the success. My shots are falling. That, that's the easy part. The red light situation is, you know, when things aren't going well. So the yeah. self-talk part of it is, is like, I can't do anything right. It's all my fault. And, you, you know, you see that a lot with athletes. Uh-huh. But... What we really, really focus on and what we talk about is this is where the money's at is in the yellow lights. Mm-hmm. When you're in that middle situation, you know, example of self-talk is you're telling, well, I, I can't screw this up. Or, you know, if I pay, play badly, you know, everyone's going to blame me for the loss. You know, you're, you're kind of teetering. We want to be really self-aware and we're in that yellow light situation. And we talk about different exercises of how we can get ourselves from that yellow light, obviously, to the green light. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, self-talk specifically is we have, you know, each player comes up with different keywords of how they can recognize, okay, hey, I'm in a yellow light situation. I got to get myself back into the green light. And, you know, it might be just a simple thing is I got this. You know, this is mine. Or, again, it's going to differ for every player. And that, that's kind of what's awesome about this is they get to decide what it is. And it's not, you know, coach mandating you have to say this or you have to do this. And once they start to understand and how impactful this is on their game, especially, you know, as a sophomore, junior in high school, they see how that affects their performance and and allows them to play at a higher level than they would if they were stuck in the yellow or if they fell back in the red light. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are what are some of the. Uh, focus exercises that you have with your with your kid what are some what's one or two really good exercises that you use in your program to help your kids stay focused and and on task and like you said have that self-awareness well it comes back to also the cues too uh-huh. you know like well, like when you know just I, I could say to a player when I, I can notice like man they're in a yellow light situation like hey when what's important now like oh okay yeah maybe it's the, the self-talk or maybe their body language is, is not very well but the, the biggest thing that um i would say the two biggest exercises number one just be able to recognize when they're in that situation and and john does a great exercise you know we're just all in the room there and we just think of different situations of when you're in a yellow light 
you know, when, when you know that you could have been better, prepared better, you know, one of those situations, and, and you talk about that. And then the next part is, how do you, how do you release that? Like, how, how are you able to get from that yellow to the green light? And a lot of times it's, it's something physical that we, we tell the players to do. Like, with self-talk, obviously that's something that can be verbal, but, you know, with the focus or, or the body language, you know, we, we say do something physical, you know, I, there's a, a baseball coach that, that has a, a toilet in the, the dugout, you know, to, to flush, flush it. it. They go yep. just flush it after something bad. We tell the players, um, you know, Price is one is he, he claps his hands or some players, you know, grab at their um, shorts or they, they snap their fingers. Um, but you want to do something physical to kind of, okay, I'm in that yellow situation. I got to get to the green. And then the, the next, you know, exercise, a part of that is, is simply just breathing. Just understand it's, you know, I got to get that deep breath, get myself back into that, you know, that, that present moment, that present focus, and then, you know, finish with another just positive trigger of, you know, Hey, I got this, or this is mine, or, you know, I'm going to make this shot or, you know, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. Coaches, I love doing a pen and a napkin. It is something that was intended to become a hobby, but it has become a passion and a blessing in my life. I love helping coaches, and I hope that I've been able to help you in some way, shape, or form. I want to do more, but I need your help to do that. I've recently opened up a Patreon page to help a pen and a napkin grow even further, and I'd appreciate any help that you would be willing to give to a pen and a napkin. From the layup tier, and for as little as $3 a month, to the three-point tier, your generosity will enable a pen and a napkin to grow and develop even greater projects than we've already done. For more information, go to apennandanapkin.com and go to the Patreon link or go to patreon.com backslash apennandanapkin. Coach, a, a couple of other things that you have on here, and, and I could, I mean, we could do this all day. Uh, you know, my, my program here would record this for a long, long time if we really wanted to go with that deep of a dive on it. And, and I think so much of what you're saying with a lot of this stuff is uh cutting off bad things before they even happen or and educate just like we would hey when we're going through uh the uh west des moines valley scouting report if we dribble it up the sideline they're gonna trap us here so let's not even go there let's not dribble that thing up the sideline let's let's reverse it to the middle send a cutter through and and whatever it may be And, and so what you're saying with a lot of this stuff is is it's a different type of preparation it's just a lot of mental preparation that will then as as the players get used to these uh concepts and ideas it will make the physical execution or it should make the physical execution even better and and more clear-minded because they're in such this uh, they're in such a good mental space it, that to me that sounds like a lot of that that purpose am i wrong with that 100% you're you're absolutely right and the other part is you know i've never coached a perfect game i've never had a player play a perfect game i know i've never seen an official officiate a perfect game and so you're going to have those mistakes that always always occur during a game especially with basketball with so many possessions so many transitions going on and how do you handle those and um, like I said, I, I just, I've really enjoyed the mental side of it. Um, I, I've seen, you know, a lot of progress with, with, with different athletes that I've had, um, teams that I've had. And, um, I think it's just been a huge part of our success is, is being able to, to be mentally stronger than we were before. And, um, and it, like you said, it does take a lot of time, but with anything is you are what you emphasize. And so we try to emphasize this quite a bit and mm-hmm. yeah, we might not do some things like everyone else does, but we, we feel like this is pretty important to us. Mm-hmm. 
How about, uh, so let's get into some on-floor stuff. We've talked, and it's been, like I said, I was I was excited. I was stoked when I saw this stuff down here because it's something that we really haven't talked a lot about on the pod. So I, I think this this uh, uh, mental imagery and, and these thought processes uh, are, are really, really important things to, to talk about. And I think a lot of coaches are going to get a lot from our conversation here the last 20, 25 minutes or so, Brett. So, uh, But I do want to jump into some things on the floor here. Uh, competitive cauldron, you know, a little Anson Dorrance, uh, North Carolina women's soccer. Uh, now that's a that's a book I did. I plowed through that. I mean, I, I read that thing so fast uh, because as a male coaching female sports, I always tell people when I when I speak, uh, if you're a male coaching female sports, uh, read Anson Dorrance's book, The Man Watching, uh, because I think that's just such a great tool to help uh, men uh, coaching young ladies and, and young female athletes because there are some differences there. Uh, but Competitive Cauldron, that's what I think of when, when, you, when you put that down. So tell us about your Competitive Cauldron there at Joaquin North, uh, Northwest. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I've read all of Anson Durantson's uh, different books too. So again, that that's a lot of where uh, I got a lot of it. But you know, like anything, you kind of tweak it to, to yep. how you you fit everything. But uh, you know, every one of our drills are competitive. We have a winner and loser, and um, so not only our team drills, but also our shooting drills. Um, one thing I'm kind of unique with the shooting drills is. Um, uh, we kind of have players with their own standard. Um, so for instance, um, you know, let's say your three point percentage, uh, your number you're going against is, is 60%. Mine might be 75%. And we have players keep track of all their threes, um, in practice. And so if I shoot my threes and I shoot at, you know, 65% and you also shoot at 65%, it's not a win for me because I didn't meet my standard. Uh-huh. But since yours is 60 and you shot above that, then you made it. So I, I feel like sometimes with shooting drills, if I'm going against somebody, you know, sometimes you, always, you know, the best shooter is always going to win. Uh-huh. We want them to compete against themselves. And so they have their own standard um, that they go against. And that's the same thing with our team drills. Um, we don't do it. I don't want to say conventional. It's not, you know, if team one's playing versus team two, are you get a win based upon your PPP. Um, our points per possession. So, for instance, um, let's say first team's on offense, uh, they get 10 possessions. Their goal is 11 points. Our goal for our PPP offensively is to get a 1.1 or higher. Uh-huh. So that gives them an incentive. You know, sometimes they might get up, you know, eight to two or something like that. Although they'll coast through the last few possessions. We don't want to take any possessions off. So, if they don't get to 11, that's considered a loss for the first team. Mm-hmm. Same thing when, when the second team is on offense, you know, your first team's on defense, they're not going to have the same standard to go against. They're not going to go against 11. They're trying to get eight or more points because yep. defensively want to hold a, our PPP less than 0.8 per possession. So, you know, no matter if we're doing offense, defense, offense, transition, or if it's half court, we're always competing against our points per possession standard. So when you consider a winner loss it's not did you beat the other team it's did you beat that points per possession um Mm -hmm. standard Mm -hmm. and we also throw some other you know kind of tweaks in there too so you know some days especially early on in the year like turnovers are are minus five so again you might have scored 11 legit points but if you had a turnover there that's only six and so you you didn't win that that drill or that competition and um but yeah, we keep track of all that. Um, we, we record it. Um, we rank kids. Uh, we share it with all of them. Uh, the first two weeks of practice, uh, 
I stat out every single drill that we do, and I'm, I'm very big into the, the value point system. And I post up for kids. This is where you are. Here's your VPS through the you know the first practice, the first two, the first week, and um, that's been really beneficial for us. Um, when you start to you know what's the what's the starting lineup going to look like? Who's going to be in the top eight? Uh, I'll never forget in Indianola after the um, our first scrimmage, a kid you know kid came up to me is like, Coach, I, I just don't understand why I'm not starting or I'm not in the first rotation. And I pulled up the VPS and I said, you know, we have 15 guys here and you rank 13th. Yeah. Why should you be in the top eight? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I told him like, you know, you can still work towards that. You can still, you know, obviously improve that. Um, but, you know, with our competitive cauldron, it, it's more than just wins and losses. It's, it's going against the standard. Um, you know, we keep track, like I said, of all the threes and free throws. Um, so I could tell you, you know, how many free throws Price made, and what his percentage was last year in every single practice. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing unique, too, is I guess with our free throws, uh, we always shoot three free throws in between drills, but all three free throws are a different distance. Um, I'm always big, in, big into variability. So only one of those three free throws are actually from 15 feet. Um, one of them's from 18, another one's from 12 feet. Um, and that, that's throughout the whole year. Um, I, again, I'm just, I, with variability, um, I'm just, I don't want mindless shots. Sometimes you shoot free throws from 15 feet over and over again. It's, it's very mindless. Um, so I want our guys uh, really engaged in every free throw. And it's unique. I mean, especially, you know, last year with, you know, at Northwest, some of these kids have never done it before. And they're like, well, why are we doing this? And it's a challenge. You know, it, it, it pushes, you know, like a, a Price Sanford who shoots over 90% for the free throw line. He actually shoots shot i don't have the number in front of me but it was lower than 90 percent in practice from free throws mm-hmm. and that's he was shooting you know different different distances and um i know it kind of went on a tangent there but no no um, no well the, I, the I, biggest I, thing of the competitive quadrant i can say is is we record everything we rank it and we publish so kids see it i mean there's no there's no gray area they, they know where they stand and um and it really helps the you know, separate the cream from the crop, the crop, the ones that are really competitive, you know, they're upset if they're not number one. And, um, the ones that aren't competitive, they, they don't care. And, and then, you know, I have some, some feedback for them of, of why they're not in the rotation or why they're not starting or something like that. Well, well, I also think that that's ways to, you know, let's say you're the, you're the team and, and in your situation, you've, you've got price on your team and, you know, you're playing 10 possessions and you're on offense. Well, you, you, you know, you're probably, you know, you feel like, well, we'll we'll find a way to win because we've got the best player. We've got price. And but no, it's it's not about being the best player and just winning enough possessions to win. We've got to concentrate on every single possession because we've got to meet a standard over 10 possessions, not be just good enough to win those 10 possessions against the other five fellas that we're playing against. And, and I think that helps uh push kids to concentrate on every single possession when you when you put things out there like that is, is that the case for you guys oh and i can't say enough how much the scout team loves it mm-hmm. because you know you throw that turnover incentive in there is you know hey they create a turnover man that you know losing depending on the day you know let's say if it's five points i mean knocking down five points that that's really hard to come back from and so again they're they're more aggressive they're more physical with it they're getting into it um, another thing we do too is when our scout teams on offense um some days We'll say uh, a certain players were double points. Oh. So if they hit a three, it's actually worth six. And man, it, it's so fun to see our, our our top kids, you know, really get together. Like, okay, we got to deny this guy the ball, or what are we going to do to try to take away their main option? And 
um, it, it just really it, it increases the engagement and the intensity of, of just a simple, like I said, if it's a half-court drill or offense, defense, offense, yeah. um, it, it's fun to watch the, the players really get into it. And like I said, the engagement throughout the whole session or the whole time we're doing that drill. Well, I, I think kids today, and again, their, their brains are different than, than the brains that we had while you and I were watching, you know, Vandalay Industries back in the 90s. Just making sure you caught that one, Brett. Oh, oh I'm all over that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Late, latex salesman. Yes, or, or an importer-exporter. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> we are kindred spirits, my friend. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, you know, I, you know, you, you'd go shell drill for 15 minutes, and you just did shell drill for 15 minutes. It's like, okay, well, we're just punching the clock here. Well, no, we, we can't do it like that anymore. There's got to be, and kids are too smart today. Uh, they understand that. They, there's There's got to be, you know, like you said, you're answering the why. And, okay, why are we doing that? Hey, we've got to, you know, we're, you know, approximately, there's approximately 60 possessions a game. So we're going to go eight sec, or eight, uh, Eight possessions of shell drill. That's basically half a quarter. So you're going to play a, a half a quarter worth of defense, and this is a four minute stretch that we're doing here. And and to break it down like that for kids, I think that's so important for them to understand these days. Don't you think? Absolutely. I, um, after the season, you know, you know, sat down with all the kids and you know had had them do just the evaluation. And a lot of the kids said what they really enjoyed about this season. What was our practices? You know, the, the practice environment that we created, and um, the best part as a coach hearing that. They loved coming to practice every day. And I kind of said at the beginning, you know, basketball is a very, very long season. And to get that feedback from players that they love coming to practice every day uh, meant, meant a lot to me. And, and I, you know, because that's part of it, too, is you want every kid coming there to, to want to be at practice um, and, and and get something out of it. So um, I feel good, felt good about that. Two more things here real quick, Coach. Let's talk about uh, microdosing. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know about you, but you know, I don't know about ooh, four or five years ago. Um, I, I came across this concept. I absolutely struggled as a, a basketball coach of when to lift, you know, it's like, you, you know, the strength and conditioning coach says we got to lift twice a week. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So you don't want to lift on game day. You don't want to lift the game before day. So we would, uh, you know, typically we have games Tuesday and Friday. So we would lift on Wednesday and then we'd come in Saturday morning and, and those those were worthless. I mean, we got nothing out of it. The kids were sore and tired from the day before, and um, it, it was it was not beneficial at all. And, and I hate stuff that's not efficient or stuff that's just yep. a waste of time. Yep. The other part that I thought was a waste of time that, that I that I hated as a coach was the warm up time before practice, the, the stretching lines or the dynamic stretching that you do. Like I tried millions of different things to, to keep him engaged. You know, sometimes do stretching with the basketball, so on and so forth. But anyway, um, I came across uh, Corey Schlesinger. Um, he, he's now the Phoenix Suns strength conditioning coach. Yeah. Um, he was at Stanford at the time, and he introduced this microdosing concept. When he was at Stanford, you know, obviously those Stanford basketball players have a ton on their plate. And so it was difficult to get those guys into the weight room um, and find time for everyone. Um, the head coach, you know, said the same thing with me as they you know, did not like the warm up time, so on and so forth. So what microdosing is, is we lift every single day. Um, that, that's the very first thing that we do is we always 
lift. We start our practice in the weight room. So, for instance, you know, our kids, uh, the last bell is at 310. You know, give them about 10, 15 minutes to transition to the locker room, you know, get their practice stuff on. But they go straight to the weight room. And every day before practice, they lift 20 to 25 minutes. And... Um, that consists of obviously they warm up a little bit, um, but from there that they do five lifts and those lifts, you know, change about every two weeks, but not to get too meathead, but you know, it's kind of a push, a push lift, a pull, a squat, mm-hmm. a hinge, you know, d- different things like that. Um, but they lift. And then once they're done lifting, they go straight onto the floor and we're right into our first drill. Mm-hmm. Like we're right into it. And the, the things that I've noticed is, is number one, um, just the kids' self-confidence of being in the weight room every single day. They love it. They, they absolutely just love it. Again, some of the feedback I got, not only Northwest, but also Indianola is that they love the microdose. They love being in the weight room every day. The, the best part for me as a coach is, is, you know, come February, come March, our kids felt really, really fresh. They felt really, really strong. They were still putting up the same weight that they did, you know, in preseason time. Uh-huh. And so, so that's, that said a lot to me as a coach is it, it wasn't wasted time. They're building confidence. Their, their muscle is maintaining or even going up. And we take that even um, before games. Uh, we, we don't go into the weight room, but we do some stuff with, with some bands. We do some stuff um, with some, some heavy balls, some medicine balls, things like that. Is Again, that's the way that we prepare ourselves every day is in the weight room first before we do anything um, on the floor, if it's a practice or a game. Gotcha. Last thing, uh, concentration grids. So, yeah, I mean, I talk a lot about, you know, about being in the process, uh, being in the present moment focus, and uh, one of the exercises is is a concentration grid. Um, John Fitzpatrick, again, to bring him up again, is is one that first brought it to me, and um, a concentration grid is, it's a 10 by 10 grid, and each, inside each grid is a number um, one through 100 or through zero, zero. And what we do is um, we do four of these. So basically each one is a quarter and we go for 30 seconds and um, I'll tell them a different situation. Let's say the first situation is, all right, start at the number 14 and go up by sevens. And I'll count down three, two, one, go. And so they try to find the number 14 on that grid. They try to find 21, 28, so on and so forth for 30 seconds. Once those 30 seconds are done, you know, I say stop. We do our reload, our, you know, get our deep breath in, whatever that trigger might be for each player. If they, you know, say something to themselves or a little visualization, then we move on to the second quarter, do the same thing, but a different situation. Maybe this time we're starting at the number 99 and going down by one. And the reason we go by 30 seconds, and maybe this year we'll have to change to 35 because that's the shot clock is, but I, I kind of feel like 30 seconds is equivalent to about a possession in the game of basketball. I, that might be pretty long, but um, but we want to be able to, to teach our kids how to focus, how to zero in on the next play. And, and the concentration grid helps you do that on the, the next number. You got all those numbers sitting in front of you, and if you got to try to find the number 21, you can't think about, well, I just saw the number 24 or the number 25. I got to zero in and find 21, okay? Now I found 21. Now I got to go on to that next number. And 
So again, just an exercise for us to, um, that we do um, to really focus in on how do we move on to that next play. And um, each grid's different. Um, we use a, a dry erase marker, so it's easy for kids just to mark. And then once they're done, they just erase it with their hand. And um, I, I really think it's really beneficial pregame too. You know, you got a lot of things going on. You, know, you watch the girls' game before, or you do whatever your routine is, but. Um, that's one thing we do as a team uh, pregame is to really lock in, um, lock in before the game and make sure that we're focusing in on what, what's the most important for us and, and is that next play. I'd be up a creek without a paddle if I played for you, Brett, because I don't <laughs> like math. <laughs> I'm a math geek, a math nerd. I mean, I, math education. I got masters of math and all that good stuff. So uh, we didn't, we didn't get into the analytics part. That that might be another hour here too. But um, I, I, that's just maybe my personality, and um, I really enjoy uh, a lot of the, the math and number side of it. Well, there's there's a reason why I picked a sport to coach that only goes by one, twos, and threes. You know, so uh, you know, just to keep it simple for me on the math side of the equation. So no, uh, I'm just joking with you, man. Uh, hey. Uh, great conversation, Brett. I really appreciate your time today. So many, so many really good things. Again, the mental part of the game and, and just these different exercises. And, you know, we, we didn't talk uh, very little about on-the-court stuff, but I, I think you're uh, really at the, the cutting edge and in taking a lot of these, these mental exercises that, you know, we see professional athletes doing and, and even uh, college athletes doing. And a lot of times we feel like, well, we've got to work on jump stops and, and pivots and, 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 de- and, you know, team defense and things like that. But if we take a little bit of time to, to break down the mental game a little bit more, uh, it's only going, yeah, we're going, to take a, we're going to take a step backward maybe, but it's going to enable us to take three or four leaps forward by by choosing to go this route in the long term and 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 that's what i really like about your philosophy well thank you i appreciate it and like i said it's not all for me like i said bill belichick with football studied him we talked about anson duranson you know john fitzpatrick is a big time baseball coach um I've got into Tony Haller, Feed the Cats, different things from track that I've taken to, to help us, you know, try to be a better program um, just with our periodization thing. So, again, I, I just try to be a very curious, lifelong learner and just kind of come, come up with some of those things. And bottom line is it's just stuff that I believe in, and um, I, I feel like we've had um, a lot of success because of it. So I appreciate the opportunity to share about it. Well, and, and I wish you nothing but further success coach uh anything uh, any social media anything you want to plug for yourself or your program or anything yeah, uh, just on Twitter, we uh, Waukee Northwest Boys Basketball. I think it's um, at Waukee NW uh, BB or, or something like that. Um, but no, yeah, uh, no, that's that's all I got. Okay, all right. Uh, Brett Watson, uh, head boys basketball coach at Waukee Northwest High School. Uh, coach, thanks so much for being on the podcast tonight. Really, really appreciate your time. A lot of terrific, terrific stuff that we went over tonight. Hope you enjoyed your time. Well, it's my pleasure. And like I said, I'm an avid listener of your podcast. I, I can't say enough about what you do to, to help share the game and appreciate all that you do on your end to, to help me become a better coach, but also all the listeners out there. Thank well, you. I, I, I appreciate it, Brad. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a labor of love. I really enjoy doing it. And like I said, you know, the best thing is, is I get to have great conversations every week uh, with really smart people like you. So 
Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Why don't you hold the line here a quick second? Got to sign off. Um, again, Brett Watson, head boys basketball coach, Waukee Northwest High School, just outside of Des Moines, Iowa. I uh, want to thank him for being on. want to thank our founding sponsor, of course, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, again, if you're interested in chiropractic services in the Omaha area, give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Uh, again, daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle. Download, download, rate, and review. Uh, Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at pen and a napkin at gmail.com. A pen and a napkin.com. You guys know all this stuff, but I'm going to throw something out here because I know sometimes, and I do this on my own when I'm listening to other podcasts. So, Brett, you are you are one of the few people that know about this here. So, we'll see who's really listening here. All right, right Coach? On. I love it. I love right. it. We got a couple of new features coming on a pen and a napkin. Um, I think folks are going to really like it. We, uh, we recorded the first one here today. Uh, I, I think we're going to uh, do some different things here. Starting in about three weeks or so, we're going to hit some folks with some different stuff here, some different types of podcasts. And so it's, uh, it's all about the anticipation that, that, that we're going to have here. But uh, look forward to it, folks. I think you're really, really going to like it. So, Brett, how do you like being on uh, the cutting edge of, of new information from a pen and a napkin? I feel very honored. I feel really blessed to be a part of it. I hope people are still listening because they're missing out if they're not. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So, uh, again, thanks a lot to, to Brett Watson, head boys basketball coach, Joaquin Northwest High School. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.